0: Weeks ago, I was with my son Glenn, and he's a senior in high school, so he's graduating, and we were uh, driving around. We went up to Spartanburg, went to look at uh, some colleges, and so we were driving up there, and I, I put on the blinker, and I you know, I got over because I'm a, I'm a conscientious driver. And so I, I turned on the blinker, got over to the left lane, just kept driving. I was kind of talking to Glenn, and he looked at me and said, Dad, are you going to turn off the blinker? And, uh, and I and I was like yeah I mean this is driving me crazy because I was in Emily's car and I was like I, her blinker doesn't make any noise you know so it's kinda I of, you forget to turn it on turn it off and he looked at me and said you can't hear that and uh, so what I'm discovering is like the older you get the harder it is for you to hear sounds and so of course then the kids they make fun of me now cuz I'm you know I'm the deaf dad and they show me this app so I'm gonna play it on my phone And uh, so I want y'all to, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna assume it's gonna play here. Uh, Tell me how many of y'all can hear this? Can y'all hear that? Okay. All right, so that's good, right? Okay, so now here's another one. Tell me how many of y'all can hear this one? All right, yeah. All right, how about this one? None of y'all can hear that? You can. Okay, so there's one guy. This is for people who have ears that are, uh, if you're under the age of 25. The rest of y'all, you gotta get your ears checked, buddy. Um, so anyway, so what's interesting about this? That's kind of an interesting little app. Uh, they, there's kids in school. What they've discovered is that whenever, say, the smartphones came out, you know, they would text each other and hit that little ding, and everybody could hear it. And well, then some little smart aleck kid discovered that there's teachers that, when they're over 30, there's certain sounds they can't hear, so they could text each other and it would ding, and everybody would laugh because the teacher couldn't hear it. Okay, so I'm one of those people. Uh, my hearing apparently is awful. All right, so you know, what's the point of all this? Now, there is a point, point. and uh, the point is, what, what I've discovered, is that as you get older, your ability to pick up frequencies, it, it diminishes. And, and that's not just true in the hearing world, but I've discovered that is also true in the spiritual world. As we get older, for many of us, our sensitivity to the voice of God becomes less and less, unfortunately, for many people. And I really believe that is one of the reasons why Jesus said, if you're going to come to me, if you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you have to come to me like a child. Because children typically have an ability, or they're much more sensitive to the voice of God than adults are. And you know, Jesus told us this in Matthew 18 2 through 4. It says, and he called a child to him and he had him stand among them and he said I assure you unless you are converted and become like little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven therefore whoever humbles himself like this child this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven now now like i said earlier we are we are going through this series called advent the miracle of christmas and and what happens as we kind of get older and we get involved in the season we typically become so busy that we forget or we no longer remember really what this season is all about. And so my hope today is as we go through this series of messages that we will become more and more sensitive to the voice of God as we approach the coming of His Son, Jesus. And so today in our scripture, we're going to see that, that God is very busy Speaking to people now, I think that for some of us that might be a surprise I think sometimes we wonder does God even speak anymore? Does God know what's going on in our world? Does God even care what's going on in our world, but as we look into our text today? What we're going to see is that even today God still speaks to his people and One of the greatest ways that God spoke to his people was with the very first Christmas and that's why our text today is going to be Hebrews chapter one we're gonna look in verses one through three now you might say well who was the book of Hebrews written to well the title is a hint in itself it's the book of Hebrews and so the writer of Hebrews was writing to Jewish people who had become followers of Christ now they would become followers of Christ and what had happened is that they began to undergo persecution because of their faith in Jesus and then they had religious teachers who were telling them, listen, you, you need if you want to be in good standing with God, you need more than Jesus. And so there was persecution that was going on. There was false teaching that was going on. And it was like a bunch of noise that was happening for these believers. And so they, they were having a hard time focusing. They were having a hard time hearing the voice of God. And so that's why the writer of Hebrews... Wrote this letter. He wrote this letter to them to remind them that God still speaks. To remind them that they they needed to listen to what God had to say to them. And for some of us, we might be in the same boat, and we might have different ideas about who God is, or what God wants, or how God wants us to live. But we're going to see that God speaks to us, even today, to clear up some of those things in our lives. So the question is, well, how does God speak to us today? you know, in, in 2016 what does God have to say to us how does he communicate with us well in our text today I just wanna share with you what I see several different ways that God speaks to his people and the very first way I see God speaks to us is this that God speaks to us in history so one of the ways that God communicates with his people and if you look in verse number one of Hebrews 1 it says long ago God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. God has been speaking to people since really the beginning of creation. Whenever God made Adam and Eve, the Bible tells us that God would walk in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve and he would communicate with them. And as you read on in the Bible, you will see that, that God also spoke by using dreams and visions and and he, sometimes he'd speak directly. Uh, you know remember whenever he spoke to Moses the very first time, he spoke directly to Moses through a burning bush. And that's going to get your attention. Uh, he spoke in, in dreams and visions. I think, of, you know, I think of how he spoke to Joseph in a dream. And in that dream, Joseph knew that he was going to become a great leader. And then he spoke to Daniel in, in uh, prophecies and in visions as well, where Daniel was able to foresee and foretell the future. And you go on reading the Bible, and you'll see that God, for over a thousand years, one of the ways that God spoke to his people was through direct words that came through his prophets. And so when a prophet would speak, the people would listen because like, well, we got to pay attention because this man is speaking the words of God. In 2 Peter 1.21, it says, no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now when you read in the Old Testament, whenever a prophet would speak and he would speak for God, he would say this. He would say, thus saith the Lord. Y'all heard that phrase before? Now, whenever he said that phrase, he'd say, I'm speaking directly for God. I'm speaking God's words. So when people heard that, they pay attention. Now, you didn't just, you know, you, you just didn't go out saying, Thus saith the Lord, just for fun. I mean, whenever you said those words, you had to be 100% accurate. That's how you knew it was a prophecy from God. And so whenever those words were said, it was then that people would pay attention. So so people heard from God through prophets for over a thousand years. Now the question is, how does God mainly speak to us today? He speaks to us in history. And the way that he speaks to us in history is through this history book. Through this book, through God's Word And as we look into God's Word, one thing we discover is that God lets us know in this book that every one of us is marred by sin. We are in trouble. We are broken people. And so God, because he loves us, he spoke to us on that very first Christmas in that he sent his son, Jesus, into the world in order to be a sacrifice, in order to be a payment for our sin that we might be able to experience eternal life. John 3.16 very clearly says that for us. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So as you read through this book, you're going to see there's a lot of different ways that God has communicated and talked to people. You know, He used prophets, he talked to people in dreams, in visions, he talked to people directly, and he speaks to us through Jesus himself. And I believe God did that, because God wants to get his message out to as many people as possible. And that makes sense to me. I mean, it makes sense to me because this is exactly how we use technology today. You know, there's a lot of different ways in technology for us to be able to communicate with one another. You know, it's not just, you know, you don't just write letters anymore just to communicate with people or, or pick up your, your rotary phone with the cord that was 90 feet long to communicate with people. There's a lot of ways to communicate now, isn't there? I, I thought I was doing really well whenever I got on Facebook. Because I thought if I get on Facebook, then I'll be able to, you know, be hip and I can communicate with my kids. And then I got onto Facebook. My kids aren't even on Facebook. And so if I'm going to communicate with my kids, you know, they do stuff like, you know, they do what Instagram, they do Snapchat, and all these different ways of communicating with one another. So if I'm going to be able to, if you're going to be able to stalk your children, guys, you got to move, got to move off of Facebook. I mean, there's different ways they communicate, but there's just a lot of different ways to be able to communicate. Well, God communicates in a lot of different ways, even to this day. Sometimes he communicates plainly. John 3, 16. Jesus very plainly says, God loves you. He says, if you believe in me, you'll never die, but you will live forever. You will have eternal life in heaven. That's clear. But did you know there are times whenever God will communicate and speak subtly? Yeah, and if you're going to hear that frequency, then you've got to be listening. Let, let me try to give you an example. and This was something that I was, I was reading about whenever I was studying for this message that really grabbed my attention, and I wanted to share it with you. I hope you find it interesting. I, mean, I think it is. Uh, you know, there's, there's some intriguing ways when you look into the Bible and how God speaks. And, and one of the ways that God speaks to His people, believe it or not, is through, in the Old Testament, there's those sections of Scripture you know, the, uh, the begatting sections of Scripture. You all know what I'm talking about? It's, you know, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. And typically, whenever we get to those parts, if you're reading that, typically we go, well, I'm just going to go ahead and skip over this part. You know, because that's just not, I mean, you're like, what? are all these, and they're hard to pronounce. And so we just kind of whip through that. But here's what I, what I found out. In Genesis chapter 5, there is a list of the begatting that goes on. But it's in that list of the begatting that goes on that God has a tremendously amazing message that He subtly speaks. Now I want to read to you what uh, parts of what Genesis chapter five says, and I'm, I'm kind of I'm making it shorter so it won't take forever. But here's what we're told: we're told that Adam begat Seth, Seth begat Enosh, Enosh begat Kenan, Kenan begat mahalel Mahalalel begat Jared, he begat Enoch, he begat Methuselah, he begat Lamech, and Lamech begat Noah. Y'all enjoy that, right? Okay, so that's real easy. You're like, well, that's a lot of names. I'm just going to whip through that because I don't see what the point of that is. Well, here's what's interesting. There's a message in those names. In those, did you, every, every name, your name means something. The names that I just read, they have meanings. The name Adam. Does anybody know what the name Adam means? It means man. It says, Adam, man, begat Seth. Now, the name Seth, it means appointed. Seth begat Enosh. Enosh means mortal. And so each name means something. When you take those names in Genesis 5, y'all, this is fascinating to me. Take those names in Genesis 5, you put them together, it says something. Here's what it says. It says, man appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching and his death shall bring the despairing rest and comfort. That's just from the names in Genesis 5. I don't, that blew me away whenever I read that. Now, so, 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 so what does this mean? God is speaking. In that verse, in Genesis 5, the very first book in the Bible, God was prophesying that he would send his son To come and die for us that he might bring rest and comfort and hope to the despairing. It speaks of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Guys, let me tell you something. God has always spoken to his people. He speaks to us in history. He speaks to us in this book. That's why it's important for us to look and see and know what this book says. Now, why is this book important? It's, It's simple. It's the word of God. It is the Word of God. You may say, well, how do I know that that's the Word of God and that it's worth me paying attention to? Well, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God speaks today. How does He speak to us? He, first of all, He speaks to us in history but God also speaks to us through Jesus. Look in verse 2. In these last days, He, God, has spoken to us, how? By His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, and through whom He made the universe. Now, if you go into verse number 2, it says, In these last days. Now, that's not referring to the end of time, kind of like last days. A better translation there would be at the end of these days, at the end of what days? Well, it was the end of the full, it was the end of the prophecies that talked about Jesus being born, because it says, you know when Jesus was born, there's not going to be any more prophecies about the birth of Jesus. Jesus fulfilled those prophecies when he was born. Now what were the prophecies? And again, this stuff is so fascinating. The Bible speaks. hundreds of years. Before Jesus was ever born, the prophet said the Messiah is coming. Now, what are some examples? Well, Genesis 3.15 said the Messiah would be born of a woman. Uh, Genesis 22 said the Messiah would be a sacrifice. Exodus chapter 12 said the Messiah would be a Passover lamb. Psalm 16 said the Messiah would be resurrected. Isaiah 7.14, written 700 years before the birth of Jesus, said the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 35 said that when the Messiah came that he would heal people. That's just a few prophecies that are given about the coming of the Messiah. So what what was God communicating? He was communicating in these verses, saying, I am sending my son for you. I'm speaking to you. I'm letting you know that I care about you, that I love you. You see, Jesus is not just another historical figure in a long line of historical figures. There's something different about Jesus. Now, I I love genealogy. Genealogy is interesting to me. I love looking up people, you know, my ancestors. Just to find out, I did not come out of mud. You know, it's kind of neat. Oh, my gosh, there were people that came before me. And earlier this year, Emily and I went over to, to England, and we were visiting our son, and while we were there, that, that's where my, my family's from Wales and from England. And so I found a church where a lot of people in my family were married in the 1500s. And so I drugged Emily all over England. I said, we're going to this church, and she was so excited. She was not, so we went there, and I was like, this is where my family was married, isn't this so cool? And I was so excited about it. Now, now you're, she wasn't, you're not going to be that interested in my genealogy. And, you know, it's not like there's, you know, the kings and queens in it. But, let, y'all, let me tell you something. And I don't care what your genealogy is. When you compare it to Jesus's, and you don't hold a candle to his genealogy. I am the son of Wendell. Jesus is the son of God. I mean, that's impressive, right? I mean, you, you can't hold, nobody can hold a candle to that one. He is special, as a matter of fact, John 3.16 says, He is the only begotten Son of God. That word begotten, you know what it means? It means unique. It means one without peer. So, so God spoke to his people by sending his son into our world. And he was letting us know that Jesus is someone special, someone who can redeem us who can forgive us of our sins. That's why we're told in verse number 3, God appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. So so what does that mean? It means that every promise you see in the Bible, every prophecy that is given about Jesus, you can know that it will be fulfilled. And when God says he, he can forgive you, he can forgive you because of whose bank account he has. He is the heir of all things. He has the power to do exactly what God said that he could do. He can forgive. Now, when we hear things like that, you know, we typically hear all these promises like that during election season. And so when we hear all the promises, you know, it's in one ear and not the other. Yeah, they're just saying, whatever to get elected. You know, when Jesus says stuff, that's not, you can count on it. You can know that it's going to happen because of who he is and because of whose he is. John Piper, a preacher, wrote about this. He said, if Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth, he said then he's going to make good on that promise because he owns the earth. And he has it all under control. When he says, nothing in all creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, then he's going to make good on that promise. You know why? Because he owns the earth. And he will keep his word. If he says there shall no longer be death or mourning or crying or pain anymore, John Piper wrote, he can make good on that promise because he owns life and death. And he rules unhindered over all that causes pain and crying. When Jesus makes promises, you can take it to the bank. He will fulfill the promises because he's a son of God and everything belongs to him in Ephesians 3 17 through 19 it says I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width height and depth of God's love and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so you may be filled with all the fullness of God God's love for you is inexhaustible it is unlimited Lake Tahoe is the eighth deepest lake in the world. This was discovered in 1875. Some fishermen went out. They wanted to know how deep it was, so they had fishing line. They put a bottle on the end of their line, and they dropped it down, and they measured it to over 1,600 feet deep. What they've discovered since that time is if you took Lake Tahoe and you turned it over and dumped all the water out, it would cover the entire state of California in 14 and a half inches of water. That's a pretty deep lake. They need water, by the way. That might be an idea. Uh, so that's, so that's, that's a deep lake. It would be able to sustain. As a matter of fact, they've, they've discovered that just the water every year that evaporates off of Lake Tahoe, it would be enough water for people in the city of Los Angeles to drink every day for five years. And that, that's not even the biggest lake in the world. Uh, Lake Superior is 125 times the size of Lake Tahoe. The largest lake in the world is the Caspian Sea. It is 576 times larger than Lake Tahoe. So so in other words, that's just an example of of how there is an inexhaustible supply of water for a number of years just through lakes like that. guys, let me tell you, there's something even greater than that. There's the inexhaustible love and power and forgiveness of God that will never run out. You think you're beyond God's love? Ain't no way, because God's bigger than that. And that is the message that Jesus was sharing with us on the very first Christmas. He was speaking I am unlimited. I have power. God speaks to his people through history. He speaks to us through Jesus. But God speaks to us for a reason, and he speaks to us for transformation. He wants us to be transformed. Uh, Verse number number 3. Speaking of Jesus, it says he is the radiance of his glory and the exact expression of his nature and he sustains all things by his powerful word after making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now now here's the question, why does God want to speak to us? Because if you look at it from God's perspective, y'all, we got to be a bunch of little tiny specks on planet earth. And if he really gets close enough to look at us, then there's a lot of people on earth, we are shaking our tiny little fist in the face of God, saying, I'm going to live like I want to. And it's pathetic when you think about it like that. Now I think, if I'm God, I'm just blitzing this place. You can shake your tiny little hand at me. Watch this. I'm going to squash you. Y'all be glad I'm not God. Because this place would be a smoldering ash heap. But God doesn't speak to us for condemnation god speaks to us for redemption which is crazy god loves people and he wants people to be transformed and reconciled to him now i want you to look if you have your bible you got to look in verse 3 let's just let's just kind of break down verse number 3 it says jesus is the radiance of god's glory that word radiance it means reflection Jesus reflected the glory of God. So whenever we look at Jesus, we are able to see what God is like. You want to know what God is like? Look at the life of Jesus. We are told that Jesus is the exact expression of his nature. That term exact, it is a Greek term. It is the picture of, of uh, you know basically like taking a, taking a key and putting it in wax so that you can get an imprint of what that key is like. And so that wax, it has an exact representation of that key. You want to know who Jesus is? He is the exact representation of God. And so that's who, that's who Jesus is. He is God in the form of man. John 1.14 better describes it. It says the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Uh, John 1.1 tells us that the word is God himself. And so this is why when Jesus came, he was able to be purification for our sins because he can pay off our debt of sin because of who he is. Who is he? He is God. And so he came here in order to speak this message to us that we might know that we can have our sins paid for once and for all because of the message that Jesus gave us on the very first Christmas. Only Jesus can pay off our debt. So so why does Jesus speak to us? Because he loves you. Because he loves me. Because he knows that we are in trouble without him. And God desires. Did you know God doesn't just speak to nice people? He doesn't just speak to, to people that are pretty good. He speaks to all people. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord does not delay his promise, some understand delay, but he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Not anyone. But he wants all to come to repentance. There's a story told of, a, of an American who was in Paris, and he wanted to buy his wife a gift before he came back. And so what he did was uh, he went to a little store, and he found this little matchbox and it was a pretty little matchbox and the the guy who was selling it to him so listen if you put it in the dark what it will do is it will it will glow and so the guy was like, oh that's really neat so he's excited about it and so he wrapped it up and when he got back home he gave the matchbox to his wife and he said now turn off the lights I said you're going to be impressed and so she turned off the lights and nothing happened it was just dark and so he turned the lights back on turned it off and the, it just was still this dark little matchbox and he got really irritated and he said I'm I knew they would rip me off. You know how them French people are? She got real frustrated, and and, uh, his wife noticed that there was on the bottom of the box, there was something written in French. And so she had a friend who could read French, and said, what does this say? And so the lady looked at it, and said, if you keep me all day long in the sunlight, I will shine for you all night long in the darkness. And so she took that matchbox, she left it out in the sunlight, and that night when she turned turned the lights off, it, it glowed. And I I thought about that, and I thought, you know, there's so many. So we have a desire for our lives to matter. We have a desire for our lives to count. We have a desire to shine brightly. And we do all that we can to be good people. We do all that we can in order to, to toe the line, you know, to walk the line. And yet what we discover is that we fail time and time again. And we screw up over and over again. And we get frustrated with ourselves because we fail in the same areas all the time. And we just want to give up and quit. You guys, let me tell you something. It's always going to be that way unless you put yourself in the light, unless you surrender yourself to Jesus as a broken person and say, God, I will give myself to you, and I will trust you, and I will live in your light. And you know what happens whenever you surrender yourself to God? When the darkness comes, and it will come, You will shine. You will shine because God will shine through you even in the darkness of life. You want to know why Jesus came? You want want to know why Jesus speaks today? Because he wants you to be transformed. Because he wants your life to be changed. He wants you to experience forgiveness. He wants you to experience life. He wants you to know that there is hope beyond this dark life he has more for you and that's why he speaks now the question is does God God speak today and he absolutely does how does he do it he speaks to us in history he speaks to us through Jesus and he speaks to us that we might experience transformation now here's the question do you hear his voice it's like at the beginning you know there's as we get older we have a hard time hearing certain frequencies I think what's happened to many of us is we've become jaded over the years. We've been hurt too many times and we've become calloused and we don't hear the voice of God anymore. Let me, let me encourage you to do something. Listen. Listen to his voice this year. Call out to him this year. You, you might be in a dark space, but it's, it's going to come down to this. It's going to come down to you being willing to just simply bow before God and say, Jesus I will put myself in your light and I will trust you. I will follow you. And I can promise this for you God's light will begin to work in your life. You see, when God makes promises, he keeps them. When God says he forgives, whether you believe it or not, when God says he forgives, he does. Why? Because of who he is. He is the creator. He is the inheritor of all things and all power. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Listen to that and believe.